Logical Progression, Year 1, Lesson 8. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa salli wa baraka nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajul al-hazna idha shi'a sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrik wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Good to see the local crowd again, alhamdulillah. After my recent experiences with said detractors, I say to thee what the Joker said. When Joker used to be quality back in the good old Batman days. When his detractors tried it with him, what did he say? Many have tried and many have died. I said, We're still here, yara. With Gloria gained it. We survived. Just about. So, alhamdulillah. Uh, so, inshallah, we're going to uh, resume with um, the first type of water that we were looking at. Um, but, alhamdulillah, as you will have heard today, uh, this morning, we have a very, very, very special surprise. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. It's good, wallah, it's good. You like this one, you like this. Because we're doing purification, right? And you know that when you're doing purification, you study the rulings of tiyamu. What's tiyamu? Dry ablution. And tiyamu is something which is a concession, right? Only allowed when? Lack of water, sah? In the absence of water, good. So if there's water... Is it possible to do to do tiyamu? Yes. If there's water for the, is it possible to do tiyamu? Of course not. And so, with our surprise today, we have not just not not just water, not just pure water. We have pure and purifying water. <laughs> and we are the tiyamu. We are the dust. We are the dirt. We are the Eshu, yani we are, does it get any lower than that? About, about the basement of the letter. What's the last one, yeah? Tafadal, yeah, Sheikh Ahlan, Ahlan, be Sheikh, my Ustad for I don't know how many years, Sheikh Kihlan, Hafidahullah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. for inviting me. I thought I would just share with you maybe a few, few things that I thought of. I was reading the ayah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the story of Sulaiman and Dawood alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned their story and he said that they were both uh, have hukm and ilm. وداود وسليمان إذ يحكمان في الحرث إذ نفشت فيه غنم القوم وكنا لحكمهم شاهدين. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said فهمناها سليمان but we يعني made سليمان عليه السلام understood the issue. Of the Masala. And then the ayah ending by saying that both of them 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted them with hukman wa So I thought of these three, three words, which is in Arabic called fahm and hukum and ilm. Maybe if somebody reads them separately, he will think that they mean the same thing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentioned them in the same place in the Quran, it made me think what's the difference between understanding and knowledge and hukm. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about two major prophets, well known of their knowledge and wisdom and hikmah. Sulaiman alayhi salam and his father Dawood alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that he gave the understanding to the son, Sulaiman alayhi salam. Fafahamnaha Sulaiman. But he praised both of them. And he said both of them, Sulaiman, Dawood, the father, and Sulaiman, both of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted them with knowledge and hukm. So I understood from that there is a difference between fahm, which is understanding, and knowledge. Sometimes a person may, may have a lot of knowledge, but he might not understand things as should be understood. Understanding or fahm is something beyond knowledge. I think these words has been translated um, to Arabic by another terminology, and they call it fiqh. Fiqh and fahm almost the same. Which leads me to think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't depend on the age of a person. From here we see that Sulaiman is the one who understood the issue or the masala. Although his father more, has more experience, maybe have more knowledge, but still he is the one who understood the masala or the issue. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also in Sahih Bukhari, once he was sitting with his companions and he said, there is a tree in, a, in the desert or the, there is a tree which is similar to the believer. And the companions, major companions sitting there, and none of them could figure out that tree. Abdullah ibn Umar was a young boy at that time, and he said it came to my mind that it was the date palm, Nakhla. But he said I was shy to, to mention, the, or to give the answer in front of my father and the other major companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he told his father, of course. But here we understood that Ibn Umar was a young boy at that time. And nobody could understand or give the answer for that question. And only that young boy, Abdullah ibn Umar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, enabled him to figure out the answer. Also, we have Abdullah ibn Abbas. Abdullah ibn Abbas also a young boy at that time. And maybe he's a teenager or the early 20s when Umar al-Khattab became Khalifa. But Amr al-Khattab used to invite him to the gathering of the Sahaba and the consultation and the Shura. And some of the major Sahaba complained. They said, we have also a similar son, the same age. Why, you invite, why don't you invite our son? He said, okay. And he said uh, to the companions, well, I want to ask a question. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهُ الْفَتْحِ ورأيت الناس يدخلون في دين الله أفواجا فسبح بحمد ربك واستغفره إنه كان توابا الله سبحانه وتعالى said when the victory of Allah سبحانه وتعالى comes and the conquest of Mecca then say تسبيح محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم and repent to him Allah سبحانه وتعالى will accept your repentance عمر asked the Sahaba what is the meaning of this surah 
all of them said it's clear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the Fatih of Mecca, the opening of Mecca or the conquest of Mecca. And then he asked Ibn Abbas, what do you think? Ibn Abbas said, I think that this is an indication that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is approaching death. So, Abu Umar said, by Allah, this is also the same thing that came to my mind when I heard it. So from here also we could understand another point that Ibn Abbas, why he was Ibn Abbas, or Ibn Umar, and they were gifted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maybe, with this ability to understand things better than others, although maybe they will share the same knowledge, the same environment, uh, the same thing. But this fahm is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like the story where Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Yusuf about Yusuf alayhi salam, when the king saw that dream. When he told the people around him, the king asked the people around him, uh, what do you think of this dream? These are I mean, the people around the king normally selected people, intellectual people, people with experience. And they said, well, we don't know. We think it's just meaningless. But the one who understood it was Yusuf And with his understanding, he was a young boy also at that time, a stranger, different country. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enabled him to explain that dream. And he transformed the, the strategic direction of the economy of Egypt completely. So from here we understood, brothers, that the fiqh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we talk about the fiqh in Islam, I thought with myself, to myself, with myself, why we, for example, study Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi'i, Ahmed, Ibn Taymiyyah, and why we consider them special? We have a lot of people around at that time, maybe this, maybe even in a higher status than them. I think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifted them with that ability of understanding things, with the, with the light of the Quran and Sunnah, and they were able to give us a less, uh, an, an answers for the difficult questions that, in, that are in agreement with the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Mas'ud, for example, he mentioned the statement of Awad ibn Abbas. Ibn Mas'ud, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that he is a container full of knowledge. Ibn Mas'ud, and Muhammad sallallahu said about Ibn Mas'ud, Muhammad sallallahu is the source of knowledge. He said that Ibn Mas'ud, Kunayf Muli'a Ilman, is a container full of knowledge. Ibn Mas'ud said, by Allah, if Ibn Abbas reach our age, not a single one of us could be يعني, capable to be close to him. That is Ibn Abbas. And I think within every generation, in our nation, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gifted this nation with people who could understand uh, the issue of fiqh and our deen and to be able to give uh, correct answers to a lot of a lot of questions that we have uh, in, in our time. And by studying the, the opinion of these scholars, not the intelligent scholar, but those people I think who understood Islam in the right way, that will give us an insight to the methodology and to the way. But that of course, it's just the beginning of the road. If we study Abu Hanifa or Shafi'i or Malik or Ahmed, 
they are a human being, they are individual. They might, a lot of, they might give so many good answers, but maybe also they have some... They are not yani, infallible, they are a human being. So that will help us to understand their methodology, their ways of, of, of thinking, and maybe we will follow from there. And we understand more and we study more. And <clears throat> of course we remember that when Imam Malik, they said Imam Malik when he wanted to write his book, uh, Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, the caliph at that time, he said to him, uh, Malik, I want you to compile a book, um, the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but try to avoid the extreme opinion of Ibn Umar and the lenient opinion of Ibn Abbas. They said, Imam Malik said, he taught me how to write at that time. Because even if we have intelligent, good people, even among the companions, some of them used to be a bit into the, if we could say, متشدد, a bit, يعني, شديد, strict, like Ibn Umar And we have another school that is more lenient, like Ibn Abbas But both of them, of course, within the umbrella of Sharia. And when we study these two opinions, two, if we can say extreme opinion, uh, we could understand how open and how flexible our deen is. And there is a lot of space for the people to think and study. That's among the companions of Muhammad Sallallahu You will find among the other scholars the same thing. And I was, uh, of course, we know the historic, if we can say, difference between the school of Iraq, which is, we can say, representing, represented by Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimullah, and the school of Hijaz, which is represented in a way by Imam Malik. Rahimullah. People always think that there is a major clash between these two schools, school of Hadith and school of Fiqh or school of Ra'i. I think both of them is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to us. If you remember the hadith when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa told the companion, nobody should pray Asr until he, they reach Banu Qurayza. Some of the Sahaba said, I think Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa intended to encourage us to be quick to reach Banu Qurayza. So we can pray Asr in its time. The Sahaba said, no, he said, don't pray. So even if we miss the Asr, we have to pray Asr after Maghrib. And when they came to Muhammad sallallahu Muhammad sallallahu said, yeah, both of you are okay. He did not say uh, anyone is wrong. And from that we understood that those people who prayed in the way, they understood the meaning. Or they preserved for us the meaning of the Sharia. While those who prayed after Maghrib, prayed us after Maghrib, they preserved for us the text of the Sharia. The text. And both of them is important in our deen. Both of them is important. Nowadays, for example, we see, like with Samuel, we see Ahl Hadith. People say, oh, it's very harsh, and they don't have fiqh, uh, whatever. And then Ahl Hadith say, the people, the Hanafi people, they don't understand Hadith. They cannot differentiate between the authentic Hadith or whatever. But I think both these, these schools are good and a source of enrichment for our understanding uh, of our deen. Our deen is not narrow, it's wide. And none of us can claim that he owned the truth. We are just a human being. 
and we get as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he mentioned the Quran he gave an analogy of the Quran to the rain which come from the heaven and he said some people like an ocean some people like a river some people like a small valley some people maybe like a small lake take from the Quran according to their ability and as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran also he said and there is above every scholar, every knowledgeable person, somebody who has more knowledge than him in a certain way. And from that we understood also the story of Musa alayhi salam with al-Khadr. They said Musa alayhi salam stood up on one occasion and he said, there is no, somebody asked him from Israel, is there anyone in the universe who have more knowledge than you? He said, no. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, well, go to a certain place, you'll find a place who has more knowledge than you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the story of uh, Musa alayhi salam with al-Khabar. This gave us an, an idea that if we study or if we have knowledge, we have to keep our mind open to the other thoughts, other beliefs, other ideas, other scholars. Once we restricted ourselves to a certain school of thought, then we will be missing a lot of things from the other people. While if we are flexible and we listen, then we will be able always uh, to, to improve. Ibn Taymiyyah, for example, one of the classic examples that I am very uh, admire, admiring him, he said, he used to, said, I used to read maybe more than 100 opinions about a certain issue. And he used to go to a deserted mosque in Damascus, prostrating in the dust and saying, Ya Mu'allam Adam wa Ibrahim, alimni. Or the teacher of Ibrahim, teach me. So that's يعني, a sign of uh, humbleness. And also I was thinking a few days ago about وَالتَّوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَالتَّوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ وَالْعَصْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَالتَّوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَالتَّوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ I thought of the word تَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ تَوَاصَوْ If you know the Arabic language is from the, from the structure like تَفَاعُل and all these structures that we have in Arabic language, which is on the same structure, it indicates the issue between two people, two parties. For when I say tawasu bil mean I advise you and you advise me. And that means that impossible for the people when they advise each other at the same level, which opened the door for a scholar to be advised by somebody who is younger than him and by uh, younger, uh, older than to listen to a person who is older than him because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said tawasab tawasab impossible for them to be equal in everything but that's to open our mind and our hearts to listen and to study and to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always to guide us mm-hmm. as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa used to say Allahumma rabba Jibra'il wa Mika'il wa Israfil fatir al-samawati wal رب كل شيء ومليكه اهدنا لمختلف فيهم الحق بإذنك إنك تهدي من تشاء إلى صراط مستقيم صلى الله عليه وسلم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم 
I wanted to ask her. Exactly. Exactly. As Sheikh said, when Amr ibn Asad was appointed as an emir by Muhammad and it was very cold, and he had to take bath in the morning. And he led the salah by making tamu. And the people complained. They said, how can our imam didn't take bath? He said, it's very cold. I couldn't take bath. I will become sick and I will die. Then they went to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked him, what did you do that? He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, وَلَا تَقْتُلُ أَنفُسَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهِ كَانَ بِكُمْ رَحِيمًا Do not kill yourself. <laughs> Allah is merciful to you. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam smiled. And meaning he approved what he said. Yes, he is one of the intelligent people. But I'm not only talking about intelligence, about the thinking and understanding, which is a term Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned it beautifully in the Quran for those people who can. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the story of Suleiman and Dawud al-Salam. Understanding is important. Shaykh Allah obviously we're studying the work of Shaykh Uthaymin rahmatullahi. There's always someone that um, I wanted to study with. I never got a chance to study with. But in the 90s, it was you who inspired me to um, to take him as a favorite scholar. And I obviously, yeah. I just wanted maybe something that you could share about Sheikh Uthameen, your own thoughts. And well, Sheikh Uthameen, yeah, he, he was a yeah, he was a scholar, of course. Uh, uh, different from many other scholars that we know. Of course, we understand the culture that he lived in, with the society that he lived in, and the people that he is surrounded by, and the school that he brought where he came from. But in many occasions, we saw him differ in his opinion from the school, the mainstream opinion that he has. And in many occasions, we saw him thinking and, com- and comparing and looking at the evidence and looking at the maqasid sharia and um, Studying different books, reading different books, even uh, you will be surprised if the names of the book that he mentioned in one of in many of his lectures. So he's a scholar who's with open-minded, a deep thinker, and a person who really uh, has good understanding of the Quran and Sunnah, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And I think, as you could see, I think you follow some of his work in this book, and you will see that he is a, a good, a good scholar. But as he said, and most of the scholars, they said before him, that we are human beings. We can make mistakes. But he is, I think, one of the, a great example for us. I was thinking of an ayah a few days ago, a few weeks ago, <coughs> writing something about an ayah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the al-Rabbaniyuna wal-Ahbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned about he classified the nations before us, the scholars before the nations before us, the Jews and the Christian. And he mentioned two groups. One of them he said Arbaniyun, and the other group they he said Al-Habar. We thought about it very many times, I think, but I Arbaniyun from the structure. It came from Rabbani. Rabbani is the one who led the ship. We said Rabbana Safina is the one who directed the ship. 
So as if the Rabbani is the one who directs the people. He gave direction to the nation and he told them what to do. So he understood the system and he will direct the people. The Rabbaniyun. Well, the Ahbar. Ahbar is a scholar. A scholar who think and study. He might not concern a lot about what the people say or what they go. He's maybe in his mosque, in his <coughs> university, in his institution, whatever. He think and study and analyze and he produce knowledge. And that's the Habr. While the first one, he is Rabbani. <coughs> Rabbani is the person who know. He sits with the people and he teach them and he is patient with them and he advise them. And if they make a mistake, they say no. And then he follow them maybe at home or wherever he goes. So he will look after them, look, uh, look after them when they grow gradually. It came to my mind that I think if we want to classify our scholars in our time, of course we have maybe a lot of scholars, but the most famous among in our school of thought, like Imam Sheikh Al-Athameen, I would say that he's like Habr in our, in our time. A person, uh, sorry, like Rabbani, is a person who is not only giving knowledge, but who also follow the people and advise them and teach them. And he spent all his life with the people, talking to them, walking with them, speaking to them, advising them. So he has a great influence on people. Well, for example, we have another example, Sheikh Albani. Sheikh Albani, rahimullah, he is a person in his home, studying and searching and collecting hadith and spent all his life. So he's more concentrating on knowledge than what the people say or how he follow them. So he's like a form of habr. And you'll find people who have these two qualities together. Rabbani and Habr. And have you found anyone yet? I think so. We'll find in every in, in, through our history, for example, they said uh, Ibn Abbas he was Habr and Rabbani at the same time in our history. And many scholars that have these two qualities uh, together. <laughs> I mean, uh, because I, Ibn Abbas, he was well known that he was the Habr of the Ummah, the Habr. But I found that uh, when he passed away, I think Muhammad bin Hanafiya said, the Rabbani of this nation has passed away. So he has two qualities. The Rabbani, the one who directs the nation, tell them what to do in the time of difficulty <coughs> and give them direction. At the same time, he is deep in his knowledge. So these two qualities are not easy to get. And I think Ibn Taymiyyah, he has two qualities, of course, but he is Rabbani, inshallah. And Sheikh, do you think that the people themselves are qualified to, yani, the, the general population, the community, are they qualified to consider someone to be a Rabbani if they see him as, as one? Yeah, you mean... Will the people be able to sway him? Is it something that is seen amongst the people that they feel it? Then this is the I person. Think, I think they can, the people can feel it. And if a person then, if it is well known and said, is it permissible then for that person then to not be around then if he is a Rabbani for them? Is it possible that we, we consider someone to be a Rabbani and then he runs off to Mecca and enjoying himself? <laughs> And, 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 I wish I wish that I in Umul Qura sitting eating dates and tea and doing nothing else yes, yes. <laughs> I wish that this man is from the Rabbanian people uh-huh. yeah, like uh, yeah. what even uh, what are the people we like muskeen people Sheikh Allah. Manchester needs muskeen people Sheikh <laughs> I'm a master mashallah 
So anyway, whilst we have you here, Sheikh, are you confirming that you're going to be back this year, inshallah? Summer holiday, inshallah. That's what I'm talking about. That's my man right there, you know what I'm saying? I love that guy more than anything in the world. Actually, maybe not. No, no. I think I like, I like, no, 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 no. Actually, you're right. I like Hagen Bowser's the stroke, which just gets more. He's a, close, he's a close second. He's a close second. Right, folks. Back to the exciting stuff. <laughs> Who did we let go on what we're doing now? Najas <laughs> and your water and different types of moderation. All right, what a disaster. Anyway. Man's got to do what a man's got to do, you know what I'm saying? We've got a job to do, folks, yeah? It's not all just holiday and enjoying yourself. Right, where do we get to, folks? What's the last statement that we... I think it was talking about uh, the... Kafur, yeah? Like a piece of Kafur. Yeah, that would have been an example. I don't think that... Um... Huh? What? Page 33. We we'll just mentioned something about Kafur, huh? So, okay, I mean, let's just have a quick recap. Shout out to Toronto. Jazamallah khairiyani. What a wonderful um, event it was, mashallah, at Al-Huda Institute. To the folks of Calgary as well. Yeah, excellent students. We had a good session as well. Um, on the weekend, an extra session with the logical progression students. It was nice. Some feedback and stuff, which we're going to look to implement. So, what we're doing is that we're still... So, there are three types of water. We are now covering the first type of water. That first type of water is purifying water, right? So purifying water is the only type that lifts ritual impurity or removes foreign filth. It is water that is still in its original created state. That's the text, yes? That's tahurun la yafa'l hadath wa la yuzidu najas al-tari'ah So that's basically saying that this is pure purifying water that actually is not just pure and clean in and of itself, but it actually has that ritual characteristic of being able to lift your state of ritual impurity, right? Um, and and it's water in its original created state, so that's rainwater, uh, well water, seawater, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and then, carrying on, describing more about that same first category, it is offensive to use if it changes as a result of something which does not mix with it. Okay, so this is now the madhab is saying that it is makruh, it is disliked, offensive, detested, choose the word you want, reprehensible. Just considering that I'm back in the yani UK, we like to use big words like that. Right? Reprehensible to use that same tahur water if it mixes with something which, and I'm just putting it in my own terms now, is something which isn't really kind of a problem. That's effectively what the statement is saying. If you're mixing with something which does not mix. Now, we're looking at words, weren't we? I think some of the guys on the forums put down um, immiscible. And I still haven't... Was it you? You said that. Immiscible, right? Yeah. I think uh, yeah, immiscible was offered 
over there in, in Canada, I think one of the sisters said, um, what did she say? Hetra, no, no, she didn't say that. She didn't, did she say, no, no. She said something mixture. <coughs> A heterogeneous mixture? No, I think I said that. Anyway. Um, anyway, I don't know what the word is, but the point is, is that what it's being mixed with is pretty easy to get out. It's not dissolving into it. It's not like, and I gave you the examples that Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti gave that if you took ink and you put ink into water, it's going to completely dissolve, right? And that's going to mess things up. It's not clearly, it's not something which you can lift out like a twig. So that's like a pure example. And then a, a, a nedgeous example would be like urine. If you put urine into small amounts of water, it's all over the place, it's gone, it's dissolved in small amounts of water. You can't get that out uh, as it stands. And so that water is now nedgeous, it loses its, its, uh, its uh, ability. So the madhab is saying anything which mixes with it, which doesn't really mix with it. So uh, what is that? We said a twig, this uh, piece of camphor, and now we're just moving on to the next piece, which is a uh, duhan. Is it still offensive if you take it out? You know, if it's taken out and the water hasn't changed and the color hasn't changed, then, then it has had no effect at, at all. So this is what was actually in. Okay, so he gives the example. He goes on page 33, oh, duhnin. Now, duhn is Greece. And um, what, what he says, so he goes that if a person, uh, if a person wants to put grease in water, then it's obviously not going to mix, right? And, uh, but the water will change. Mix meaning here, it's not going to dissolve into it, it's not going to become part of the water. But the water and its nature and its color, and it, will still it will still change. But it will not lose its purificatory property. Okay? Rather, it will actually still remain purifying. Okay? Because because the uh, uh, grease does not dissolve into water. In fact, you find it floating you find it floating on the top. And so what happens to the water is by mujawara and not by mumazaja. Meaning, and I was, I was struggling to find the word for this. So, mumazaja meaning basically to really, you know, bind and dissolve. Yes, so that it hasn't, the water hasn't changed by this type of chemical reaction or whatever. It's changed by mujawara. Mujawara is, as I said to you, the jar is the neighbor. Yep, so it's in contact with it. So, what, what English word would we use for that? Mix. By by, what's the word I'm looking for? If if like if two things are in contact, like a company and kind of no not not merging. So because merging gives that whole idea of merging, dissolving, becoming one. So that's exactly what's not happening. That's mumazaja, yeah, anyway, it all becomes into one, dissolves into another. I'm now saying that if if they're knocking about with one another and they're touching whatever, but they're not crossing into each other's boundaries. That's why the word jar is a neighbor. Mujawara meaning that it's side by side. I can't for the life of me think of what word we would use. But I mean, but you understand the point though, right? So although the grease definitely has changed the nature of this water and it's, it's with it, it's mixed with it, but it's mixed, in, uh, it's mixed in its own way of mixing. The globules still keep themselves to themselves. And if you were to push the water like this, you could get some water. Do you know what I mean? Like clean water as such. Uh, and then he gives another example. Um, uh -huh. What's the word? Or is mixed with salt taking, or, or, or is mixed, 
So the third example, so a piece of camphor is an example, some grease, which is another example, or um, salt taken from water. Now, you can either call that sea salt or just translate it exactly like salt taken This salt, as opposed to rock salt, so you have two types of salt, keeping it very simple. You have that which is taken from rocks, mineral kind of, you know, hard, hard source. And then you have that which is naturally found in the water. You see water and other, other, other uh, sources of water. This, and so what the Sheikh says, If, if a, uh, like a bag also, of this salt, uh, uh, sea salt, or uh, salt taken from water, was put into water, the water would turn... Salty. It would turn salty. So we have now, this third example is a change. So the first two, okay, the first two examples, the first example was something physical which is very easily like taken out. Yeah, it's, a, it's clearly not merging. The second one does mix quite a bit. If it goes globulated, it goes that kind of, you know, thick kind of whatever. But so it's more than the first type, but still the change is not because it has binded or dissolved. The third one is a completely different type of uh, reaction. Here, the, water, the salt does dissolve into the water. The water will actually turn salty. But, 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 he says, But, according to the Hanbali schools, it will still remain purificatory, purifying, okay? But, because there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars in the madhab, they ruled it as makruh. Now that's, if you follow what we talked about last week, uh, Sheikh Uthameen was critical of this idea, that just because scholars within a madhab differ amongst themselves, and when they differ, the one who comes to summarize their argument says, well, one of our imams said this, and the other one of the imams said this, and we don't really know which one to go for, so you know what, let's be on the safe side, and we'll just write it off as makruh. Right? We'll just stay on the same side and we'll say it's hated to use. Uh, Sheikh Uthameen, he, as, as, as I spent a lot of time, so I'm not going to repeat the argument again, but he said that this is not acceptable as, an, as, as a reason to designate something makro because makro is a legal reality. And you can't just say that something is makro, yeah, and if something's a legal reality, just be, be, being on the safe side. You have to have separate evidences, clear evidences that establish its position and the reason why it is makro. So um, that's, the, that's, that's the first thing for you to remember that. He asks a question. He goes for indeed. Uh, uh, if it is asked, why did the water not lose its, uh, its purifying property when something has been dissolved into it? Okay, and he, ans he answers because actually this this salt, its actual asal is water. So this sea salt, its asal it actually is water. So it's water in its origin. So it's almost like water going back to water with salt. This is the position of the. Um, uh, uh, this is the position of I think the majority of scholars. And I'm going to obviously spend some more time uh, discussing this when we talk about the second category. I didn't really want to spend too much time on this issue here, but just so that you understand, okay? Sea uh, salt when it's put into water, it is just like sea water, and we know that that's pure and purifying. But this is not the issue. The issue is, is that if you just took sea water, sea salt, and put it into normal water, then it would not lose its purifying property. Now, according to the madhab, and this is what the Shaykh Uthameen continues to say, 
أنه لو تغير بملح معدني يستخرج من الأرض if, if we understand from the statement of Al-Hijawi by specifying the word Amaiyin sea salt or salt from water we understand from that that if we took salt from another source from rock salt as we know it and that was then placed into the water it would lose its purifying property according to the madhab now he goes the water would now be a new category the second category pure not purifying little tip here Whenever Sheikh Uthameen in his commentary makes the statement عَلَى المذهب, yeah, يعني it's a very polite and nice way of a little kind of backhander يعني, uh, uh, يعني the He's basically saying that I don't really kind of feel that yeah? I'm not feeling that but according to them using their usul, using their logic and continuing on down the line this is what they're saying So he and his position is going to become clearer later on So is that clear? For now it's very simple uh, sea salt in the water, no problem. According to the madhab, rock salt, that would be a problem. Okay? And then we have a fourth example of something happening to this water which is also slightly different. Or heated using filth. Now, that reminds me actually, I, uh, last week we were talking about, was it last week I talked about istihala? Right? So, so I was given different, different examples about things going to, uh, you know, you, you, you might dissolve or they might, uh, a chemical process and whatever. And then I gave an example that you could burn some dung and it would turn to ash and it would be pure. Okay? And then some, I noticed someone ask, uh, that's not a good example because dung can be pure. And that's right. So maybe it wasn't a good example. I wasn't actually referring to dung which was pure. I mean dung which was impure. So that of permissible animals, their dung is pure. Right, which is why as patans we just use it day and night and everything, <laughs> making chapatis out of them and sticking them on the walls. What's that about? The Canadians were giving me some Punjabi words. I wasn't feeling it. What was what's the Urdu word for that? Goba. Yeah, <laughs> Abu Dhar knows that behavior. You see that? He just come back from the band. He knows exactly what's happening. And I think in Porto uh, they call it Sotui. Sapiaga. No, 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 it's not Sapiaga. No. Seta, set, You know that. You know what I'm talking about, Ghobar. Huh? No, no, it's not that man. <laughs> He's twice my age, but I know it's not that. I know. Do you know why I don't know that? Because when I arrived, no, sorry. I, I tell you why. Why it's not that? When the straight after that lesson, I was on Skype with Omar Isa, my wife, and she goes, she, she goes, Assalamu alaikum, and she said the word. And I've forgotten it now. Huh? Anyway, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that, like I said, we use it, the ahnaf consider it to be pure as well. And it's well known, actually, the, the, the dung of, uh, of uh, or the manure, or the dung of uh, a permissible animal is pure. Anyway, so now here we're talking about something else. That the water is now heated with najis. Now, it doesn't matter. You can even, for this example, use human feces if it just makes it. Human feces, we have that. And obviously it is a fuel, quote-unquote. You could burn it and it would emit heat. So you imagine that you've got nothing else and you've got that and you're heating up a small container of water. Okay? So, what does he say? That, A, إِذَا سُخْنَ الْمَاءُ بِنَجَسٍ تَغَيِّرَ أَوْ لَمْ يَتَغَيِّرْ فَإِنَّهُ يُقْرَحْ Yani that if we have some water, we have some water which is heated using a some filth, 
whether the water in the pot changes or not, it is makruh to use that water for wudu. Does that make sense? So you want you to imagine that there's it's a cold day and you've got some water, you're obviously you're obviously in the bin because if you're doing that here in the UK, then come and see me and I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you donations and I'll work out some benefit application for you, yeah? Because things be be, be be bad, yeah, if that's happening. <laughs> right? So obviously we're talking about back in the bin, yeah, you're there, you've got some you've got some water, it's freezing cold, you need to have some hot water for your wudu, and you can't find anything, so you know, I don't know that's random, but anyway, that's you got that there. So you put you set a, <laughs> set a match to it. It's now heating this water. Yani, regardless of whether this water anything happens to it or not, obviously it gets hot. But whether anything else happens to it or not, to use this water is makru according to the Hanbali Madhab. Is that clear? So this is the fourth of four differing kind of scenarios. Now, as you can imagine, Sheikh uh, Uthman uh, is going to have some fun here. So he goes that. If a man was to gather, gather some dung from uh, a donkey and he was then to uh, uh, heat the water, moving on to page 34, then it would be, um, it would be, uh, it would be makruh. And then he gives a good example. He goes, فَإِنْ كَانَ مَكْشُوفًا If it was open, so just like bubbling away, no lid, then he goes, we can actually understand where they're coming from. Yani the issue is ظاهر يعني. لِأَنَّ الدُّخَانَ the, the 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 smoke, right, is going to enter into the water. So it's going to burn. It's debris or ash or whatever is going to go up and it's going to settle. Tiny tiny particles, uh, which you know and uh, the you know the easiest way to understand that if you've never uh, burned uh, feces or dung before and if you haven't, what have you been doing with your lives? Yeah, okay. But the easiest <laughs> the easiest way to understand that is bukhur. Uh, uh, you know this uh, uh, perfume stuff, yeah, that the Arabs use. This uh, uh, like pure. So if you've ever seen that, when they burn that in the incense burner, like proper solid incense, you know that it gives off a smell. It burns, and if you breathe it in, you can actually feel it like heavy. Do you know? It's actually quite heavy particles. So the idea is that when it's burning, that could go into the water. Okay. So he goes, if the the the, the top is open, then that's clear. And many scholars said that. Yeah. But he goes, when kana mugatta. But he goes, what if it's sealed? Sealed. Okay, muhkam, yani it is tightly sealed. Okay, according to the Hanbalis, it is still heated. Yani the Hanbalis said that even if the thing is heated and and it's sealed completely, um, yani meaning there's no chance whatsoever of this stuff going in, it's still heated. Um, uh, because and that's and he goes lacking a up He goes, but the correct opinion, according to him, is that if it is tightly sealed, it is not hated. And that is the top position of this class. It's my position, it's our Sheikh's position as well. Okay? Um, is that clear? Is that, does that make sense? So according to the Hanbalis, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Covered or not covered, that water is hated to use. They're basically saying that if it's open, it's definitely going to be affected by the, by the Najis. And if it's sealed, there's a possibility of it being affected by the Najis. The correct position is, is that if you've sealed it correctly, then there's absolutely no way that anything is going in, and therefore that water to use is not hated. Okay? And, uh, um, uh, yeah, I think that's, and, and, and the other argument that he's talking about there is something which is not yeah, any relevant um, for now. Anyway. So, therefore, that, that completes then this statement. For in 
قطع كافور أو دهن أو بملح مائي أو سخن بنجس كره It is offensive to use if it changes as a result of something which does not mix with it such as a piece of camphor or grease that's like the first category of things or it is mixed with salt taken from water that's another category of kind of a uh, something happening to this water or then a third kind of thing or heated using filth I say three types of things happen you could look at it as four or three if you divide it if you divide camphor and grease into two separate things which I prefer to do just for clarity so the camphor was a clear non-mixing thing you could take it out and the grease was slightly more difficult but according to the way that, that, that the, the, uh, uh, the way that it could be read you could put those two mixings together as one category the second type of issue or problem would be actually something dissolving in it so like salt and that's okay because it's actually originally water anyway then the third thing that could happen to this water in this scenario is that it is heated with something here heated with najis and according to the madhab, that also is makruh. So, moving on then to the next line. Inshallah, next line, which is I think page 4 or something in your notes. Yeah. So, this is what the, uh, the Sheikh Al-Hajjawi says. وَإِن تَغَيَّرَ بِمُكْثِهِ أَوْ بِمَا يَشُقُّ صَوْنِ الْمَاءِ عَنْهُ مِنْ نَابِتٍ فِيهِ وَوَرِقَ شَجَرٍ أَوْ بِمُجَاوَرَةِ مَيْتَةٍ أَوْ سُخْنَ بِالشَّمْسِ أَوْ بِطَاهِرٍ Lam yukra. So, it is not offensive to use. So now we're still talking about that pure and purifying water, that original first category. It is not offensive to use if it changes as a result of remaining still, or something growing in it, or tree leaves, or something which is difficult to avoid, or changes from being adjacent to a carcass. <coughs> Or changes from being heated by the sun or something pure. Okay? So this is like the next big kind of like a subcategory. So let's see what the uh, what Sheikh Uthameen says here. So in the middle of page 34, he goes, right. So, So if it changes as a result of remaining still. A. Like meaning that it's been left for a long standing water basically. Standing water hasn't been touched for a long time, then it does not, uh, no, nothing has happened because it's standing water, nothing has happened to, uh, to it, no incident, nothing has fallen into it or anything like that. If, if we haven't introduced anything, if it changes by itself, it's changing by itself is not by a najis, it's not by something which would take away its purity. It changing by itself still means that the water is upon its original state. And this is the position, again, of Sheikh Uthameen and of the Madhab. And then he goes into detail about uh, So then he gives an example of, say, there's a... Uh, so this is now something growing in it or tree leaves or something which is difficult to avoid, right? Something growing is the nabit and waraka, the warak of shajar, warak is leaves, shajar is tree... So he's giving some examples of things which you can find in water, which is human nature. It's very, very difficult to avoid that. Remember, this is a fiqh for the real world and not yani, a modern yani, 21st century that's taking it from taps and, and chemical plants and all the rest of it. So water is like that. Your most purest, cleanest water, you're pulling it out of a well. The well is going to have twigs in it. It's going to have leaves in it. It's going to have all kinds of things in there. At the bottom, there'll be silt, there'll be stones, there'll be mud, there'll be dirt. Um, 
there'll be watering holes. Now, watering holes, um, now, uh, uh, they're very, very common, commonly used in those areas which don't have an abundance of water. And they have all kinds of issues. And we're going to come to discuss that in, in a lot more detail uh, because near a watering hole, you get the problem of carcasses, dead meat, basically, dead animals that just die and then they come into contact with that water. So, or they are close to it. We're going to come to that. So I want you to understand that uh, these, these puddles and or watering holes, uh, they're not big enough to be called lakes or to be called a reservoir, but they're like a big, big puddle or a big watering hole, just like you come across. Uh, these have uh, sea uh, uh, algae, they have moss, water, water moss, um, all this kind of stuff, you know, standard, normative uh, stuff. Also, the color will be there, as I said in the lessons many times, many weeks ago, that the uh, 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 earth, like mud, not mud, what's the word I'm looking for? Soil, soil, soil will, will have um, also maybe discolored it slightly. This is, this is, how is this referred to in Sharia? What it is, what is just inherently difficult to take out of water, and it will be very difficult. Okay, so he gives this example. So he says, so maybe there's a, uh, there's some uh, leaves, or there's some moss, or some uh, uh, leaves have fallen into it. So it is for It is water which is purifying, and it is not disliked at all. Even if, even if the uh, color changes, its taste changes, and its smell changes. And the reason, the Sharia reason, and I've told you about this word before, and it is an essential word in fiqh. You heard Sheikh Ghalan talk about the difference between knowledge and fiqh, knowledge and understanding. I can tell you if there's one word that identifies the difference between the faqih and the alim, between the one who just knows and the one who is that like, you know, deep, yani a scholar uh, 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 with fiqh, it's because they understand what their illah is in an issue. Because they, they can manipulate, they, 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 are, they, understand, they are able to look at the issue, understand exactly what's going on, and that's normally by identifying their illah. What do I mean by an illah? Let me just have a quick few seconds on this. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He obligates many things And he prohibits some things as well And when he prohibits some things He'll, he'll give uh, he, Maybe he states a reason Maybe he doesn't state a reason Now the word in English Reason is not going to help us here Because sometimes a reason Is what Allah intends Is what we want to make a reason mean And then we have hikam Which is wisdoms behind something So for example The, the, the classic example is alcohol so alcohol is prohibited. So if you're if you're if you know uh, 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 if you're having a chat about alcohol, you could say, oh, it's prohibited because it's expensive. It's because it you know it um, doesn't taste nice. It looks you know I used to say that, but apparently Bailey's taste nice. Apparently, I don't know. That's what they say. Don't shoot the messenger, yeah. They, I mean, I have to say, I looked at it and looked. It, had, it did look. Like, it did look a bit like chocolate milkshake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, when the, when it comes out the glass, the smooth. I did look at that and think, hmm. yeah. In 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 another life, I could do that. I did say that, yeah. Allah. Hey. Yeah, Bath of cocaine. That's fermented date. That's fermented date, so. 
Huh? The it looks like you know what? Yeah, most of it looks like urine. So that's a, that's a good reason not to go near it. Yeah, and Yanni uh, and um, we had some fun on that point, man. Anyway, and um, so these are all what we consider reasons, right? But these are just fun, and some of them are not fun. Some are you know some are, are, are serious. But in Sharia, we would be much more accurate. We would say all of these reasons and another ten that you come up with are all hikam. These are just side kind of consequential kind of good points that we can reflect over. But the illa is that it intoxicates the mind, leaving one unable to, to, to think for himself. And therefore, he can then say things, do things, be taken advantage of. So intoxication is the illa. Now the illa is, as I said, you, I translate it whenever I use it as the sharia reason for something. You understand how powerful it is to know an illa of something. Because once you know the illa of something, because once you know what Allah is intending behind an action, then look how powerful that is. You can then go, and the scholars of fiqh will then use that reason to then make other things impermissible. So that's when the principle of qiyas comes in, analogy. So there's nothing in Quran that prohibits cocaine and opium and heroin and weed and all the rest of it. But it becomes haram because we know and we identify the illa behind alcohol, see that it's intoxication, Find then those other substances that then fit that category and that genre, also then creating intoxication, and then we give the same ruling based upon it. So that's why it's so important. And I want to say to you that our Sheikh, Sheikh Ghilani, taught me, uh, me a couple of things, uh, many, like really early in, the, in my studies. And one of the, um, the, the best lessons and the one the most beneficial that I can tell you is that, you know, when you have, you know, you have these debates which are pretty meaningless, but we like to talk about, you know, when you say who's the best footballer ever? And everyone just sits there talking about it, you know, comparing Maradona versus Messi, versus Pele, versus Zidane, versus whatever. And, uh, and, uh, well, Percy wants to go. This is the problem. This is the problem. Ronaldo. Yeah, so young, young kids now. Well, like, if you said Ronaldo, something is it there, but Van Percy, this is the problem. Anyway, so, and they're, they're actually meaningless discussions, aren't they, really? Yeah? Because there's so many different factors, whatever. So, there, there, there are these kind of things in the deen as well. What is the most difficult thing that a scholar can ever do? This, is, this used to be like the, one of the questions and is a, is a question. And um, there, are, there are a number of potential answers. And I will share with you the, the top two that our Sheikh taught us. And the first one at the very top of them is takfir, i.e. to take someone out of the religion after they have willingly entered into it. So someone says, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, willingly, happily, knowingly, upon belief. I bear witness that there is nothing worthy of, uh, of, of worship except Allah. And then you say, you are kafir, okay? Then boy, you had better be sure, son, because you know what? You are coming with the big time right there. You are coming with the big time, and you will be dealt with big time as well. As Rasulullah said that when one brother to the other says to you, you are kafir, then it will definitely be one of them. So someone's going to find out. So anyways, it's a major, 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 major issue, major difficult thing. Of course, it has to be done, it must be done, and it is being done, and it's an obligation upon the scholars to do takfir in the right place, right time, and it doesn't matter if they do a lot of it or a little bit of it, but it has to be done for the, the Sharia reason to protect the nation. We can't just go around Yani and you know, say, oh, you know, we're a pluralistic faith, and it's all, you know, live and let live and love and peace and all that bagwasi. And you know, no, no, this is Islam, this is Sharia, and we we establish very clearly. People come and like 
you know, I was debating with some people not too long ago, and they were saying that you don't need hadith, you only need the Quran. I said, you believe that you are completely kafir. You are absolutely a disbeliever. You don't, yani, uh, 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 you want to lead the prayer. I said, you're having a laugh on, yeah? Leading lead the prayer. That's what I think the only time in my life that I forced myself forward. Normally, yani, you know, there's a fight. I said, Sakura in business. I'm leading today, yeah? Ain't leading, <laughs> not allowing you to lead the prayer. Anyway, so, so um, uh, you know, so anyway, it has to be done. You know, when it's time for it, it needs to be done, it has to be done. Uh, so I hope you understand that. The second thing which they said is the most difficult thing that a scholar can ever do is to identify their illah. Because you're making a call, you're making a judgment call. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't always mention it and make it easy. Alright? And so you're going to have to make a decision and you're effectively speaking on behalf of Allah. You're saying, I know what Allah wants from this. Or I know what Allah intends by this. Which is like big time already, you know what I'm saying? That's big talk, right? So I want you to understand then that this is the concept of their illah. Sheikh Uthameen, I always found very nice because when he thinks he's got the illa, he will state it. So here he goes. He goes that the reason uh, that even though your mind is saying to you, hold on, this can't make sense, the color has changed, the smell has changed, the um, taste has changed of this water that has got leaves in it, or it's got a bit of mud in it, or got a bit of soil in it, or got a bit of moss in it. Why is it still purifying? And why is it not even makroh? And the Sheikh says, well, that the illah is that it is too difficult to take all this stuff out of water. And if we had to do that, it would become a, 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 a huge problem. A, a huge problem. He goes, what are you going to do when a windy day comes along and then it blows the leaves? And it goes into all of the wells and all the things, whatever, every single day before everyone uh, drinks. We have to go into all these wells, send the person down and filter and clean and whatever, whatnot. This is life, Yani. This is life. We can't... And this is, this is, a, this is very good. And this is yeah, the difference between just sticking to the text and understanding the system. Understanding Sharia. As Sheikh said, he goes to Maqasid al-Sharia, right? Maqasid al-Sharia, he didn't translate it. He means the objectives of the Sharia. Understanding the spirit of Allah's system. Not Allah's law, because law is too uh, tight a term for Sharia. Law is too specific. Sharia includes law, adab, yani wisdom, everything. Okay, everything. The way, the system. So the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it has some, you know, immutable laws, very clear. But it has a system as well. It has some objectives, which we can maybe sometimes achieve or have to look to try and achieve by some other means. And maybe it's not clear when you have some evidences, but in trying to achieve the objective, we allow certain things to slide. And that's why what Al-Sheikh said, by understanding the fact that Sharia is spacious, easy and wide, and not dayyik and, and so on. So, uh, it's, 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 it is too difficult. He said, it is too difficult that, we, uh, and then he also states again, he goes, it's too difficult for people not to use water which is changed by itself. This is two categories of natural water, natural happening, which the, the, the world is based upon, and that's it. That's it. So, um, he, then, he, then he goes, um, and he gives an example. He goes, and if we said to the people uh, that this, uh, this water has now become tahir and not mutahir, we would, we would have put a huge mashaqqa upon them. Yeah, a huge difficulty upon them. And in the last sentence, then he goes, what? And then he gives an example, which is, which is interesting. We'll close with this. He goes, 
But he goes, if it, if it, if it, if it uh, uh, changes with uh, by this dirt or mud, uh, uh, okay, so he goes, so for example, if a man walked through like a big puddle and using his uh, feet, he kind of like, you know, scuffs the, 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 the yeah, kicks up the water, scuffs it up. Okay, he goes that, and so therefore now the water has all become cloudy. Because when it's, when, it's, when it's settled, it's not cloudy. Now you kick it all up, it will become cloudy. Okay? The, the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the water is still purifying without any uh, dislike because this is a change. This is a change of its natural nature. Yeah, and it's something that would happen to it, something that would then go back to normal. Something that would happen to it, something that would go back to normal. So I just realized actually that we've been going for on for a while, huh? And um, we can blame Sheikh Ihlan, honestly, cheeky, and coming and taking more time like that. What's with that Surprise guest and all that. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll call it that. We'll uh, take some uh, questions, and you need to be more kinder to the online folks, yeah? They get scanned in Q&A, man, I tell you. Isn't it? Okay, first question, So the question is, it's a good question. The question is, is that we have normal access to normal water, normal pure purifying water like a tap. And then we have this specific water in a, another, I don't know, container of some sort, and it just has some leaves in it, for example. Is using that water makro even though uh, uh, in the in the presence of the uh, original water, even though the uh, the the sense would say that the water which has been changed by this thing, it is not purifying, but the scholars have said it's purifying because it's difficult to take something out of it. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, and it's not a hypothetical question. And of course you would use the pure water. You would, because it's pure water. You don't want to go in there and start cleaning the leaves off or whatever, whatnot. But you're asking a shari'i question. Is it hated to use that? Allahu a'ala. Mm, so what can we do? How can we fix that? Yes. Sheikh Abdul Ghafari is saying, look, he goes, he goes, he goes, all these modern look, yeah, yeah, modern look. He goes, he goes. When you say these these scenarios to me, he goes, I can see it straight away. Because yeah, I've been there, done that. He's a man from the parent, yani, yeah. But that's Somali parent, yeah. So I can, I can see it. He goes, these modern look, they ain't got a daddy was standing on. They never seen that old thingy. So I'm saying, what's the solution? You're saying? So um, we, can you, we ask uh, in, in 
<laughs> well, my good idea. So we need to ask uh, Sheikh Abdul Ghafari saying that why don't we ask uh, Mufti Sheikh Google to, to present some pictures of this kind of water. So maybe uh, if Shazada takes this as another task upon his 36, no, you won't be able to do it now. This has to be in advance. You have to look at all the texts in advance and then work right. This is water. This, this is what he's saying. He just wants to give you a headache, you know? <laughs> He doesn't want to help, he just wants to... What did you tell upset him, man? Why didn't you come to lesson, man? Come on. Did he not do his uh, Sabbath properly, yeah? Is that what he was? <laughs> He's doing well, yeah? Um, I, mean, I mean, don't punish the guy, man. Now, anyone? Anything else? Any online questions? Guys? Anything online? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Now, vet is over there, that's why. And then I said, go do some vetting. Yes. It's half luck. Um, I just want to double check. So, for example, like, if you had some water that had oil in it, so if that happened, then obviously that would... This is saying, if you had water with oil in it, how could you make wudu with that? Because when you put your water, your, your hand in, then it would be oilified. <laughs> Oiled? Oil just seems too, the wrong, too basic a word. Anyway, do you get the point? And so the answer, of course, is that you, you couldn't. If you put your hand in water and oil gets onto your skin first and then prevents the water then getting touching the skin, then, uh, I mean, we shouldn't answer that question, really, because that's an honorable But just, you know, now that I've been tripped into answering it, yeah? I haven't, because it obviously is a duhan. If it got onto the skin, we couldn't make wudu with it either. The only issue is, of course, is that, just to play angel's advocate, right, okay, <laughs> that if you were to get that water and put it on, it's also the equal poss- possibility that the water has touched the skin, and then the... Uh, the oil and juice is pr- providing that lovely uh, Maybelline, Lancome, shining, glistening, I'm worth it, L'Oreal, yeah, and the protection, L'Oreal, that guy, what's that guy's name? L'Oreal, L'Oreal for men, that's the one. Bob's? Nasser? We mentioned before that uh, ash, wants, even if there's some type of once it's burnt, comes ash and ash is pure. But then when the chef was discussing that if there's a pot and it's open and the thing is burnt, what's the problem? Because what's in the air is ash anyway. So, why so are you saying that the problem is that ash has become pure anyway? Or are you saying that ash is normative, uh, uh, normally in the air? His issue was that because the pot is open, Yes. He didn't say ash, by the way. That's why I gave the example of Bukhur. Yani when you burn Bukhur, it's not ash which goes into the uh, air. What is it? I ain't I, I got to do it myself. I mean, what is it? It's smoke. Yeah, bukhar. Oh, oh, yeah, dukhan. Yeah. Yeah, it's not ash. We're not talking about ash. We're talking about actual particles of the original substance. It's not an issue of ash. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. It's not Ramad. It's not Ramad. This is a Shazad Zian. Is this on the screen? No, I can put it on. No, I don't worry, Shaz. That's the lamest example of thing I've ever seen. That's like some kind of yeah, crocodile marsh or some flex, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 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 you see how Shaz plays? And it's a rubbish picture. Abu Zar chose the picture. Sure? Honestly. Come on, Izzy. Give us a question. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, um, well, just people asking about water that's recycled. And then also water that's about the fluoride. 
So, so um, uh, uh, fluoride, we're going to come to. Recycled water, also we're going to come to in this right time. That's, that's, that's a good idea. Put that on screen. There we go. I mean, if someone can't visualize that here, yeah, then there's problems. Yeah? If I say there's water and it's got leaves on it and it's got moss on it and uh, which is exactly what's on that, water moss, then that's it. Sheikh, are you going to show they can visualize that? Yeah. Can you lean your feet on the day you say that you're playing your feet? I'm sure it's a question. But we said questions only on the, the topic. Yeah. Absolutely only on the topic. But I just like a lot with me laughter. That's a good one. Like a lot of Okay. Ask if you Correct. So, so very good question. What, uh, so this is what, a, what you call a proper question. Check this out. Okay. Um, the pre on the on the previous line. Okay, the madhab says it is offensive if the water is mixed with something which doesn't yani mix with it, like a twig, like a, a kafur. And now you're saying. Now you're saying that actually if a twig falls into it, it's not offensive. Okay? That's the question, isn't it? Yeah. And the answer to that is that actually the author uh, doesn't say twig. He says kafur and camphor is not like your normal twig that you see around. It's a very specific tree and it's a very, uh, very specific type of uh, uh, bark almost. And uh, I gave twig as an example of the physical... Uh, characteristics of the camphor as opposed to the ruling on, t- on a twig. So if a twig and, and leaves and roots inside the, the water lilies or whatever they're called yeah, and, and uh, moss and all of these that are standard in a normative area that are full of the normal water sources are all full of this, it's not offensive to use. That makes sense, yeah. Okay, folks, are we, uh, without you going to give some, yeah, honestly, don't, oh my God. I just want everyone online Everyone online, AZ just slapped all of your questions down like that. He just said there's nothing there, he goes. So you're just going to have to go to the forums. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barakla nabina Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sahbihi ajma'in.